When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The following is a presentation of Morning Drive Media. From the southernmost point of Dorne to the lands of always winter, what is west of west and the shadows in the east, this is Casterly Talk. I'm Ken Epsock, happy to be with you here all by myself. Now more for obvious reasons in the past, but you know, through the power of the internet... I can uh, connect with my co-host maybe even a little bit easier now. Maybe some uh, StreamYard live versions of Casterly Talk on my YouTube channel. Some FaceTime, Skype conversations. It's possible now more than ever. See? Where there's a will, there's a way. We're home now. Though I've been home, working from home for two years, but now the rest of the world is. So now when I ask them to be on the show, they not just have the time, they have the technical means Hope you're all doing well. Hope you're all hanging in there. No matter where you are, let's escape into the world of ice and fire together and talk about the show, the books, the maps, the characters, everything that we love about Game of Thrones. We got some great calls coming up, second half of the show. I was thinking, what, you know, what am going to talk about? What, what do we want to talk about? Last week we talked about the Shivers, which, you know, could be a scary topic. But just showing how George R. R. Martin does a great job of taking so much of the real world, real real history and real situations, putting it in this world, which makes it why we love it and why we're pulled in. With the safe at home, shelter in place, uh, keep your ass inside rules around the, the nation and, and the world right now. Uh, it is interesting. There has been some conversations. I've even had some conversations with some people at a book publishing uh, company about, hey, George is home now. Uh, George can finish these books, right? Right? It's the little things we have to be concerned about. It's the big picture in the tough moments we have to keep in mind. George... You're inside now. Break out that tandy computer and start typing on your word processor. In my hands right now is another book, a good Game of Thrones book. A little tiny one. You hear the tapping? Uh, this is a book that was uh, put out a few years ago by Running Press. It is a officially licensed HBO product. So it is about the show. And it was put out after, let me just double check. I think it was put out after season four, before season five. And it is a book, and I've referred to it before here, Game of Thrones in Memoriam, the characters that have passed on. So it's a few pages here, so if you bear with me, we're just going to go through. I hope this isn't too morbid, but you're Game of Thrones fans, so morbid kind of comes with the territory. I wanted to go through each character 
that passed on seasons one through four. I wonder if there's an updated copy of this book. I definitely would like to get a hold of that. Which, again, why? <laughs> why do you want a book that just lists off characters that have passed on and that have died? Right? So what's what we're going to do? I don't know how many pages it is exactly. Oddly enough, there's no page numbers on it. We're just going to go through. It's not in order. It's kind of in order. It kind of goes by season. But, yeah, it starts off a little out of order. But here we go. All right, you ready? It's going to go through. Next week, if you want, you can call in. You can share your thoughts on these fallen characters. Number one is Eddard Ned Stark. How Stark Winter is coming. I'm not going to read every description of every character, but this is what they write. Stoic, duty-bound, and honorable. Ned Stark embodied the values of the North. In moving to King's Landing to serve his hand to his longtime friend Robert Baratheon, Ned fell on the wrong side of court intrigues and paid for it with his life. The death of Ned Stark deserves its place in pop culture history. Whether you read it in the book way back when, whether you were surprised by what happened on the show, somewhere in between some combination thereof, it is one of those important deaths. I make a lot of references to other important deaths. Yeah, Obi-Wan Kenobi, Darth Vader, Yoda, Optimus Prime, Bambi, Nanta the Ewok. There's a lot of those kind of deaths out there. Roy Foker, for me, if you're a Robotech fan, those deaths that kind of surprised you and were gut punches. And for me, yep, I had no idea it was coming. I hadn't started to read the book. I owned the books. I bought the books like after episode one or two of season one. I was like, I'm going to dive in after the show's done. Nope, after the season's done. From there, I, I just tore into it. But, you know, I can never die, deny my Game of Thrones origin. I was show first. I was shocked. Gut punch. Gut punch is the way to describe it. I uh, was house sitting and uh, and <laughs> I was home at, at this home house sitting and you know he's in prison. He's in the black cells and I'm just the whole time thinking he's going to get out of it. And oh my gosh, Arya is going to be the one and. The producers knew what they were doing. They set it up just nice. And when Yoren grabs Arya, I was, and I love Yoren, but I was really upset. Really upset. She's got to she's save the day because we're trained. We're trained. We, we're trained to think the star of the show, he's on all the posters. He's the head of the house. He's right. He's right about his cause. The Lannisters are bad. Joffrey's bad. Boo, Cersei. Robert died. He can't be in vain. Justice will... Pro- oh, there goes his head. It's tough. You didn't believe it? He was, like, was, that, was that a dream sequence? Was that a dream sequence? Uh, my friend Christian Harloff called me like right after. Because it's 2011. We were texting, but you still called people regularly. He was blown away, too. Gut punch as well. And he was just like, oh, he just kept repeating, this is Jon Snow's show now. This is Jon Snow's show now. It's got to be. It's got to be. And he was a little upset. He was kind of like, I don't know if I'm going to watch the show anymore. I just don't know if I'm going to watch the show anymore. It's, it's his story now. 
And it's funny looking back and now with all the knowledge and reading the, show, the books and the maps and everything and the shows uh, completed, it was, when you look at it, it was John's show all along and, and Daenerys's as well. Song of Ice and Fire indeed. But in that moment, we're just conditioned. He's the dude on the posters. Sean Bean. Yeah, the Sean Bean dies a lot thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. It doesn't matter. He's on the posters. So you got to think. There's no way that's going to happen. But it did. So that's why I think they start this book with that. You know what I mean? All right. Next up. Garrett. It's a double feature. Next page is Will. Night's Watch. Your orders were to track the wildlands. We track them. They won't trouble us no more. Will says, I saw what I saw. I saw the White Walkers. I, I talk often. I, I was hooked early on. I was hooked within the first 30 seconds, not knowing what I was really watching, not knowing, all right, kind of Lord of the Rings. Is that, is that what we got here? Okay, I can deal with that. Holy moly, ice zombies, what's going on? And uh, Garrett's head comes uh, rolling on. Uh, I was uh, freaked out. I was absolutely freaked out. Uh, Raymer Royce, funny, they don't list him right away, or if, if at all. He's got to be in the book. He's got to be somewhere out of line. Uh, his was technically the first death on the show, right? Uh, uh, so... There's to Garrett and Will. Will, uh, he's an, he was a, a ranger, and I like Will. I, I, what I like about Will is he, he, I wouldn't cast him. You know, if you're just walking through life in the world of Game of Thrones, I wouldn't look at him and think that's a ranger. Scout, maybe, you know, but that's my mistake. He was a ranger, tried and true. Garrett has that look. I don't know what Garrett did in his past, and you, you can read the book and find out. But he's a sturdy man. I trusted him. I trusted his face. And when he was afraid, I was afraid. The, the the thing about Will's death is what I love about it is it teaches a lot. It teaches a lot about Ned Stark. It's a beheading. Uh, Ned swings the sword. We know his thoughts on that and who should swing the sword. So to see where the show ends, I mean, that's a wonderful foreshadowing, of course. Uh, the stag uh, um, and the wolf that they come across a little bit later, uh, other uh, wonderful examples of uh, foreshadowing all through uh, episode one, but uh, the Will's death. It it, uh, it what I love is is is. I think Ned in that moment, and Sir Roderick Cassell, and and Catelyn Stark probably as well. Once all the information's out there, I think they they believe it all. I think they believe it all. I've to this day just interpreted it as Ned's looks as like. Especially, especially right after you do that, and you find the dire wolves that aren't supposed to be south of the wall, this far south. He's smart enough to know. Now, whether or not he believes is it is it legends, just old Nan's tales? I don't know, but I think he believes in that moment. It's a harbinger of things to come. Oh, uh, the next death they they list. This book is just brutal. It gets right to it. Lady, House Stark, Sansa Stark's dire wolf. I almost can't even talk about that. I said, you know, like a lot of people, I just love animals so much. And again, speaks to Ned and speaks to his character. He'll do it. Oh, when it comes to black in the sound. Lady of all the deaths on the show. That might be the one that gets me perhaps the most. Viserys Targaryen is listed next. Ah, Viserys. Crown for king. I'll say this, though. I was surprised he was going. He just, you know. He was being built up as a, not a big bad in the classical sense, but they were gonna we were gonna see him 
stick around for a bit. He was just so bad, so evil, and you just so immediately rooted against him, right? Just so immediately we're like, F that guy. We like Danny, but not him. So his death was, I still think it's one of the greatest deaths in the show. Visually just amazing. They did it so well and uh, practical. Um, Kind of got one shot to get it right. They didn't actually burn his head, but, you know. Uh, love the death. I, I love Daenerys in that moment. Big moment for Daenerys, obviously. But also, again, and I'm saying this is super, super, super layered foreshadowing, but and I'm not saying that, I'm not defending Viserys, but she watched her brother get murdered in front of her, not with glee, but determination. And again, did she deserve it? Yeah, oh yeah, I'd say that. Uh, deserve it based on just what he did to her alone? Oh yeah, 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 I'll say that. But it's one of those moments you go back and watch kind of the greatest hits of Danny. Like, ooh, she's capable of doing some things. Things we learn. The next death they list is Robert Baratheon. I love the quote they have for him. You help me win the Iron Throne. Now help me keep the damn thing. Love that Love Mark Addy as Robert Baratheon. Complicated character, but was sad to see him go. Complicated guy, complicated king. Probably at some point in his life was right, justified, but couldn't see what the real situation was. And I think a lot of the war starting was on his hands, a lot of the blood on his hands, but he won. He won, he took control, broke the Targaryen reign. That's kind of crazy alone. I think that's underrated enough if you're talking just about big victories 300 years and house brathian and uh house targaryen house of the dragon there they got a lot of history we know that we absolutely know that going back to aegon but so it, it, bittersweet fitting in a weird way robert Rathian. now when robert died and i i wasn't i think i had more thoughts that viserys would last longer than robert but when robert died that was one of my like oh this thing this show does some things um we got something different going on here uh forgotten character all the way back in season one next death they have is mordain septa mordain sansa was so mean to her she made me hate sansa season one sansa was just a beep to her right we know this sansa down the line knows this that's the point but i love her duty to house stark i love her duty to sansa basically sacrificing herself see a septo septa more name then they lose they go right to drogo count drogo it's a big death again it's a weird order it's kind it's not really what how they put that together it, it's like sort of order that's fine. Anyways, Drogo, um, I think by the time he's gone, I think I'm no longer surprised. Viserys surprised me. Robert Baratheon was, uh, okay, that's surprised. Ned Stark floored me. Drogo, yep. Cal Drogo would make sense. Got a little nick. Got a little shaven injury. Yep, he's dead. Uh, I had no hopes that he'd be coming back. I like the, you know, the cameo in season two. All on board. And in my mind, that's still um that is still a vision of uh of Danny's future, man. I still really think those visions in the House of the Undying, excuse me, let me say it right, House of the Undying. I, I still think those visions 
uh, are overlooked, or at least were overlooked for a while, on what they actually meant. Missing much like visions inside the story. We as fans, especially show only in the book, the, we get it. The, the the visions go bigger and deeper and wider, but in the show, I mean, it's it's there. It's all there. She walks past the place of her death and into the afterlife with her husband and son waiting. Like, you were surprised. Surprise. Miri Mazdur, Mazdur is listed next. Only death pays for life. I, I actually really love um, this actor. I can't, her name's not listed here. So uh, improper credit not yet given. Um, thought she was great. Thought she was pitch perfect. And I think one of those now standard classic Game of Thrones lessons. Who's right? Who's wrong? Yeah. She killed Drogo. She essentially uh, tricked, coerced, I don't know, however you look at it, uh, Danny into trading her, her son for her husband's quote-unquote life. Killed killed that horse, by the way. I don't like that scene either. That's, that's brutal. But who was right? Who was wrong? And I love the Game of Thrones gets to ask those questions. So, great death scene, too. The first, <laughs> this is fun, this is fun, reoccurring theme, Beric Dondarrion. Richard Dormer is just such a great actor. I still want him in Star Wars. That's what we are, ghosts. You can't see us, but we see you, no matter what cloak you wear. Uh, the show did a good job, as best they could, I think, dealing with the Brotherhood Without Banners. It's more complicated, more drawn out, more details in the books. But I, it was, you know, especially at the time, you're kind of like playing, you know, because we all know Barracks in Season 1 different actor but he's in season one it's just it's such a throwaway thing lord don't dare you and go get the mountain okay great you, you forget it you overlook it you overlook it. especially in 2011 we weren't breaking down the show every frame by frame that stuff kind of came later the explosion of the podcast and everything yes there were shows and podcasts going on at the time but you know hbo didn't have its own after show you weren't paying attention to those kind of details i think season one and even into season two by season three Shows were everywhere, you know, roughly, general general sense. So we didn't look closely at Beric Dondarrion's death. Uh, I love the character. I love his his real end, but this is a death they list here. Uh, Maester Crescent, House Baratheon. Uh, Oliver Ford Davies, uh, C.O. Bibble from Star Wars, Episode 1, 2. Does he show up in 3? Yeah, technically he appears in 3, yeah. I uh, I just love that. So I love him because of that. Hey, he took a good shot against Cersei. Good, memorable death. I mean, these are all memorable deaths. I'm going to say that a lot. But it's like a, it's like a stage jet death. It's like a Shakespearean death taking the poison. Those good mutton chops. See you later, Maester Crescent. Rakharo from House Targaryen, one of uh, Danny's uh, uh, bodyguards, uh, Blood Rider. Uh, this is, um, he was the first to declare that he was... Uh, that Danny was uh, the blood of my blood. So he was uh, sent off season two uh, to look for land and uh, came back. Well, his horse came back. He did not. I liked uh, liked all the, all the early season Dothraki around Danny. Good, good character. Sad scene. Sad scene. See you later. Rest in peace. See you in the afterlife, Carl. You're an oh man. You know it. 
Yorn's so great. He's so great in season one, just at the Night's Watch at Castle Black, talking to Tyrion, just so great, just immediately. And I love Benjen Stark. I love Benjen Stark. But Benjen, you know, I get there's some history. He's, he's got some problems with House Targaryen. I get it, but he treated Tyrion pretty bad. Tyrion and Yorn get along. I loved Yorn. Yeah, I knew he was going. You just knew he was going. You knew, all right, he's rescuing Arya. Rescuing Arya. And then uh, he gives that speech, great speech, about how he took the black, why he needed to, and uh, the whole time. I mean, this is even season two, but, you know, it's like later on, what, season five, Barristan tell me when he starts giving that great speech to, to Danny, starts talking about Rhaegar. I'm like, oh, no. This was, that was the Yorin clue. Yorin's great final moments, but what a death. Very similar to me, like Boromir's death in Lord of the Ranks just kept going. Uh, listed next is uh, Lamy. Oh, poor Lamy. Ah, poor Lamy. Not much to say about Lamy other than, you know, that's not the way to go. Uh, next at the list is Renly Baratheon. I was, yeah, again, so by this time I've read the story, or I read the first book, I should say. I had, was holding off on season two, uh, book two, until season two was done, and that was the last time I read the book after the after the season. So I was a little surprised at Renly's death, and surprised, and surprised because he's just so good. He's just so good of a performer. Uh, you introduce Natalie Dormer as, uh, you know, uh, as uh, from House Tyrell there, and... Uh, um, I just think you think I just thought it's gonna go on out a little longer. The story's gonna play on out, and uh, the great parlay with, with Stannis, peaches or not, so I'm bored for it. So uh, I was surprised. It was might have been. I think I, I think it might have been one of the last deaths in Game of Thrones that I was fully surprised on. Eventually, um, I read ahead in the books and I'm done with the books and everything. But then later on, when they go a little bit off course, you can be a little surprised. Um, Renly's might have been the last death that I was like, didn't see that. Next death they list is Eerie, uh, Ricaro's uh, beloved. Um, it is known. That's the quote they list and that's a quote. I, I am very glad they don't. They they did not show. There's that deleted scene we've talked about. I know our friend Eric Monroe's called in about the deleted scene. Of her death, um, being uh, being choked out there. Yeah, glad I didn't see that. Didn't need to see that. Sad to see her go. She didn't deserve that. Next to the list, Beric Dondarrion. That's right. Beric dies again. Dies again with the hound. And they just have the same quote. Roderick Cassell. Oh, Theon. Love Roderick Cassell. Some of the best facial hair in the show. Brutal death. But you know what? I'm not hoping uh, I go out in any Game of Thrones like way, but if the, if you're going to capture me and you're going to behead me, I'm going to look right at you and curse you straight to hell. Good job, Roderick. So, next death they list is the Spice King. Ah, not the Spice Girls, the Spice King. Forgive me, little princess, but I cannot make an invest make an investment based on wishes and dreams. Carth, Carth is the greatest city there ever was, or ever will be. Uh, a member of the 13 of Karth, the Spice King, never told Daenerys his real name. He was killed along with other members of the 13 by Piat Pri. I've talked often about the uh, Spice King, uh, about just the casting on the show down to these supporting parts are just perfect. Again, a character. I still to this day 
I'm not going to say I side with the Spice King, but I understand him. I'm rooting for Danny, especially season two. I love Danny. I love Jorah. I love Danny. I'm on board. She hadn't, you know, gone to Marine yet and kind of made some decisions that I was uh, starting to question. But Danny in Karth, I'm on board. I'm on board with it. And I get, where are my dragons? I get it. She's upset. But the Spice King, man, I don't, I love, I love when he talks, he's talking down to her on the stairs, you know, make no sense. Make, make no mistake. He is, he's condescending. He is, uh, being a chauvinistic pig, anything you want to throw at him, I, I don't disagree with. But his logic tracks for me on that stairwell. Oh, great. You want to take the Iron Throne? When were you last there? Well, I was a kid. Oh, do you have supporters there? Oh, not really. How many ships do you have? No, you don't have ships. You can't get your army over there. Uh, if I no, if I give you the ships, no one's can't guarantee that they want you there. And he's again, he's one of those, one of those cases where Spice King wasn't wrong. It wasn't necessarily right. He wasn't wrong. Mathos Seaworth, his death, uh, it's not one that hits me hard. I love Davos Seaworth. In the, in the book, uh, what, I think Davos was, has five kids. The show they play it as one, which, which makes sense in the show. You don't, you know, we're going to answer for Davos's wife and his other four kids and everything. No, just you make a one, a little more impact. Um, I was expecting, I don't know, expecting the character to go a little bit longer, but it made sense. Maester Lewin is listed next, and oh my god, that's, you know, he's such a good performer. And a good, goes out in a painful, painful way, a needless way. You know Theon was not going to do anything to him, ever. There's just no way Theon was. Um, painful way. Sad. I think I had tears in my eyes watching that death. Piet Pri. Ooh. I love this guy. Warlock of Karth. Karth. I keep saying Karth wrong today. I don't know what's going on with me. Um, I love it in, in the show. I, you know, Zaro Zohan Daxos uh, goes a little bit longer in the books. Uh, still going, actually. Uh, but I, I like the version here in the show, but I like Piat Pri's involvement with him. I love his reveal. I love when they kill the 13. Uh, he is a very interesting, freaky, creepy character with good reason. I just think he just plays it so well. The mother of dragons must be with her babies. She will give them her love, and they will thrive by her side forever. Freaky, creepy guy. But I loved his death, though. Next death they list is Corrin Halfhand. Oh, God, you know, had to happen. Needed to happen. You knew he was gone. He knew he was gone. He's done too much. But one of those castings, it's just so perfect in just a few scenes. You just really love this character. You love what's going on. So long, Corn Half Hand. I would love, give me like a book, like a short story. I don't know. Give me five stories. Adventures of Corn Half Hand North of the Wall. Probably a little brutal, but. All right, next death they list is Beric Dondarrion. That's right. Just keeps on dying, Beric Dondarrion. Dorea is listed next. And yeah, Dorea was the deleted scene. Of uh, choking Eerie out, and uh, I'm glad they they didn't show. I like Roxanne uh, McKee plays her uh, Dorea. Um, you know, you know, she's got that scene with Danny where she's teaching her the ways of pleasure. That's one of those scenes that put Game of Thrones on the map early on. Uh, I like Dorea, but you, I, I could tell, I could tell she's got that great scene with Viserys in the bathtub, a little foreshadowing, talking about men uh, who could change his face, little tiny details. 
in that bathtub scene that we might have overlooked in season one at the time. Uh, I can't imagine. I did or her and Zaro's death, and he's listed next. Zaro Zohandoxus is is listed next. Um, wealthy spice merchant. I their death. Yeah, of ways to go. If you're locking me in there, just ram my head against the wall. Craster is listed next, and Jor Mormont. Tale of two old, grumpy, gray-bearded men. One, get the hell out of here. The other one, I can't believe it. I'm so sad. I just knew. you. I knew Z- uh, uh, Jor Mormont was along for this world when he launched, launched north of the wall. Which, by the way, I, at the end of season one, when that, that speech, when Jor's, uh, Jor is, is speaking to Jon Snow and you know, basically saying, you're going to be with us? Good, because I need you. Because the Night's Watch is marching strong, 300 strong north. I love that ending. I love that speech. One of my favorite moments in Game of Thrones. Underrated. If I ever write the book, Why We Love Game of Thrones, not currently planned, but if I do, that's going in there. Mark my words. Love that scene. It's inspirational. It's exciting. It's foreboding, and his death is part of that. I just kind of had that sense. Craster, well played. I wanted to just throw a, a turkey leg at Craster right from the beginning. Creepy, creep, creep, but that's one of those great characters. Ah, Jor. Jor's death, though, ends up saving Jor, right? Krasny's is next. You speak Valerian? Some people get the reference. I've always thought it was like Montel Williams cast in the show. Uh, great moment. That is one of those be- great moments. No matter where you fall on uh, uh, Danny, some people love her. Inspiration uh, is drawn from her, uh, which good for good reason. Some people are our, our co host here, Andres Cabrera, has always kind of been like, I started to turn on Danny early. I was I personally was frustrated with Danny in a good way, like in a good invested way. Love this character so much, and I was like, "You're doing some things I'm not sure about." But this is this is one of those moments that I was 100 percent sure about. It's it's one of Danny's finest moments and those greatest hits of Danny's. The long play, the suffering, the insults, speaking the language, and quite frankly, the fact that they know she's Targaryen and they don't even assume she'd speak Old Valeria, just think, thinking so little of her. The trickery, the slaves mine, great. I own them now. Awesome. Here's the dragon. Slaves, you free. Dragon. Dracarys. Great moment. Uh, next death listed is Richard Carstark. I I love that actor. Actually, he's a really great, really good. And you know, you just one of those. Is he wrong? Is he right? Moments. Is is he wrong? Yeah. By the honor and the codes of the land, he deserved to die. Yeah, yeah. And Rob did what he needed to do. It's a, it's a. Looking back, one of those moments. It's so good. Richard Madden just—it's one of his finest performances in the show. The, the killing, the trying to trying to be like his father because he'd watched his father do this. Trying to, does but fails in a way. An explosion of anger and frustration, knowing what this is doing, doing this despite knowing that he's probably going to be hamstrung and his efforts to win this war are probably uh, now going to be for not. Uh, uh, yeah, so I love that moment in the rain. Richard Carstark. But, you know, again, he wasn't right in the way he said a lot of things. A little bit of a brutal man, but he understood some of it. Uh, next death listed is uh, Roz, a uh, prostitute from the north who journeyed to King's Landing. Roz helped Littlefinger run his brothel. When Littlefinger discovered she was a spy for Varys. He offered her to Joffrey to satisfy the king's bloodlust. Joffrey killed her with his crossbow. 
uh, a uh, a character, as, as many know, was only supposed to be around for the pilot. She was so good, as happens sometimes in productions, TV show productions. So good, they kept her going, and I'm glad they did. Roz is a great character, greatly uh, performed, and her death is so sad. She deserves so much more. She worked so hard to get out of her position. Uh, just a shame, but them's the breaks when you mess with Littlefinger, right? Next up, Barrett Dondarrion. That's right. Keeps time. Uh, then I love this. They just they missed simply White Walker. This is the end of season four. Night King uh, has been uh, unveiled, but we haven't gone to hard home yet. So White Walkers are still a rare commodity on the show, and they list the White Walker that, uh, while making their way to the safety of Castle Black, Samuel Tarly and Gilly encountered a White Walker who had come to take Gilly's baby. Working on instinct, Sam killed this particular White Walker by stabbing him in the back with a dragon glass blade. Big win for Sam. I love that. Uh, next up, they list Talisa Stark. Talisa Stark, owner Chaplin. Uh, a show-only edition, and I think... I think pretty good addition. I, I, I mean, I'll say a, a great addition. Uh, I think, I think the way they got her in the nurse kind of angle was okay for me. Like was okay. Uh, I was always a little, I think frustrated because I'm, I get so into the story. Any of my frustrations with the show come from being in the story. Just so frustrated with, with Rob concentrate, man, concentrate. Yeah, I get it. She's she's beautiful. She's alluring. She she has a past that uh, speaks to her character. The choices she makes. She's she's got some great character to her. Some great moral fiber. I get it. We see the scene. We see you both undressed. I understand, Rob. What are you doing? I'm not even talking about the deal with Walter Frey. You know, maybe go out for the raspberry phosphate after you win the war. All right. Uh, but they it does such a good job. It sets it up. Her brutal stabbing, the, the the giving giving the the moment of what if we name him Ned? Don't you want to see little Eddard Stark run around? Oh, this is great happiness! Boom, Game of Thrones. It ain't about happiness. Uh, uh, in that uh, in that episode, the Red Wedding episode, uh, one of my again another one of my least favorite deaths. Grey Wind, Grey Wind killed during the massacre. Um, and I. I think I'm trying to replay. Yeah, I I knew something was coming called the Red Wedding. I've been reading the books for this point. I read half of book three, then stopped. So I I saw it. I experienced it show first. I don't know where a lot of you experienced it. I know people have thrown the book across the room when the Red Wedding happened. Um, so I was I was braced for some sort of impact. But as I've talked before, when I when Catelyn Stark hears the music. Here's the reigns of Castamere. I just, oh no. And I, I'm glad I got to experience it like that. I, I wish sometimes I'd start reading the books back when I first heard about them. Years prior to the show or even again in the uh, months leading up to the show. Uh, I had some co uh, co-workers, some people who uh, worked for me who were like talking about the book. And I, all spoilers and all, and I just didn't hear, didn't, didn't process any of it. But I'm also glad I didn't because I got to experience a lot of the big events, season one, two, and three, just very... Very pure, very real. And Grey Wind, I thought he's going to get out. I know he's not going to win, but he's going to kill about eight uh, 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 Frey, uh, members of House Frey, and he's going to run into the wilderness safe. Nope, dead. God bless him. Rob Stark is listed next. Oh, poor Rob. 
what, what can you say about Rob? Brutal way to go. I don't think he deserved it. I think he made a lot of mistakes. Absolutely think he made a ton of mistakes. He has got a lot of the problems that are good traits to have, right? He's got some good traits, like his father, but they lead you down dark paths. And I don't think, I, I am not of the, I don't think he got too cocky. I just think he was very confident and had a lot of early success. So what naturally, what are you going to do? You're going to think you're okay. Uh, Rob, Catelyn Stark's listed next. We're just going through the red wedding. That's what it are. Um, her death is absolutely one of the finest moments in the show in terms of acting, in terms of just raw brutality. Is it a bit much? Yeah, maybe. Tough to watch. I think the show's okay when it does that. There's sometimes the show I thought was, eh, you know, do we need to, need to see that? But a lot of times it was, it was little things, things in the background of the war. Like, that was a brutal knife shot to the cheek. Or why are they having sex in the background? And it's not even sex position. It's just, you know, thinking the, some of the stuff in the uh, mutineers scenes when they're going up there. And it's just like, what is, what is this? Some horrible you porn situation going on in the back? We don't even need that. Like, we get it. All that is Catelyn Stark's death, as brutal as it was, as, as, as just um, just graphic as it was, I think it was needed. I think it drove home the point of all the horrible things in this land and that world. Still tough to watch in, in the best of ways. Next up is a death I was so happy about. I'll play it right here for you. Something wrong with your leg, boy. What, what, what do you mean? Can you walk? I've got to carry you. Carry me? Fine little blade. Maybe I'll pick my teeth with it. Ah, yeah. Die, Polliver. Die. <laughs> A prick. The death of Bolivar is one of the most satisfying deaths for me in Game of Thrones. And it is, uh, she wipes the blade like ain't no thing but a chicken wing. And yes, the hound gets his chickens. Bolivar, and again, great performance. When I'm rooting against you, I'm rooting for you as an actor because you've done a great job. What a prick. Good riddance, Bolivar. Next up, Joffrey Baratheon. All right. I'm not disappointed. I was never disappointed by his death. I know some people just wanted more. It was realistic. It was brutal. He dies coughing, gagging, with no dignity, if that makes sense. He doesn't go out on a shield. He doesn't get any kind of honor. He dies in front of everybody. Everybody. And it is... Wonderfully brutal to me. I think I think he deserved it. I think Joffrey is... I, I guess sometimes I have a little sympathy for Joffrey, how he was raised, what he was. Um, and even if, you know, he thinks Robert's his father, Robert wasn't a great one either. And uh, just, I have, just as, if I, as, as I have some sympathy for Cersei trying to raise him, I have a little bit for Joffrey. So we knew his death was coming. I was surprised it was so early in season four. And that made it actually exciting for me. That makes sense. Like, all right, great. We're going for it. Let's let's get to the aftermath. And now everything's changed. Um, 
So I was satisfied with his death. Dantos Hollard, House Doll Hollard, uh, I like him. Sympathy for him. Who doesn't, you know, have so much wine you wake up late and miss your uh, tournament fight? Um, great job. Those eyes, those sad eyes, just cast aside so easily by the little finger. There you go. Rest in peace, House Hollard. Gone. Listed next is Barrick Dondarian, Lord of Blackhaven. That's right. So sorry, Barrick. Liza Baelish. I like that they list her as Liza Baelish. There she goes. She took his name. She would. Liza Aaron, House Aaron, and um, Liza Tully, of course. Her younger sister. Um, Who's she in? She's in Force Awakens or Last Jedi? Yeah, Last Jedi. Um, great character. Icky and creepy in all the best possible ways. Um, and one of those deaths that in the moment, you're not surprised. You're not surprised. You're just like, do it, Baelish. And I, you know, I feel bad for her. She's been touched by the madness a little bit. But do it, do it, Baelish. Do it. That's right. Uh, next death listed is the one that broke a lot of hearts. But this one I did know was coming, and it still broke my heart. And it still breaks my heart. That's Oberyn Martell. Uh, you know, you can't say too much about Oberyn. Great character. Pedro Pascal just still to me one of the best one seasons of, of television. And I'll never forget watching it with my friend Paul at a hotel in Vegas. Me knowing it's coming, but still having tears in my eyes. Him having no idea and just devastated. Devastated for three days. The rest of our trip, we were there for a wrestling convention. Devastated him. Broke his heart. I think... I I think not counting Danny's death, which has its own controversies and opinions and passions around it, I think Oprah and Martell's death is right up there with Ned Stark's death as that big gut punch might even have changed your view of the show if you were not a book reader or anything like that. Like I think that's it's it's one of the all time great deaths. Then we start moving into the Watchers on the Wall episode and we got Pip. So sad to see Pip go. got second life in the Rise of Skywalker. Um, you felt for him. It's one of those point of view in a war character. Like, what would you do in that kind of war? I might be like Pip as much as I want to be a hero. And he was a hero in the end. But the, the fear, the pain, the nervousness, paranoia. Yeah, I get it. I get you, Pip. I feel you. Uh, then a double feature here. Gren and Mag the Mighty. For Gren. For Mag the Mighty. Love that. Love the uh, moment with uh, 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 Mace. Mance. Sorry, I'm talking about Star Wars left, not Mace. Mance. Um, Mance and John. Um, great sequence. Great moment. I'm glad we don't see it. I'm glad we don't need to see it. Mag just charges. Grand defends. That's all we needed to see there. Uh, listed next is uh, Steer. Of course, uh, leader of the Thens on the show. Uh, great performances all through that season. Torment, you really should try. Crow. Formidable opponent. He would have been good if he had survived and turned his heart. He would have been good later on in the, in the Battle of Winterfell. Uh, list next is Egret. And uh, with Egret's death, we're going to go to a call, actually, right now from our good friend Eric Monroe, who has a good what if about Egret. Hey, Ken Cashler Talk. So during this craziness, I was thinking about what ifs, and this is a what if. I'm not sure if we've ever talked about before, but what if Egret never died during the Battle of Castle Black? 
and she didn't, you know, I always thought she was not going to shoot John. And let's say she lived. How does that, does that change John's story drastically? You know, because later on, of course, he has that relationship with Daenerys. Does she join him and fight with him against the Boltons? So what, what, what do you think would have happened if Egret had lived? What would have happened if Egret had lived? Well, John would have been happier. Would he have returned to the cave? I don't know. Danny would have, uh, things of Danny would have ended up better. I think, I, I think a lot of what John tried to do in season five was absolutely not just inspired, it, it grew out of the relationship with Egret. That's, that's why she's is really one of the more important characters in the show. She not just helps change John, she changes John. She causes him to grow. Ch- uh, ch- ch- starts uh, him on the path of, of no longer calling them wildlings, they're free folk. And and we always talk about who's right, who's wrong in Game of Thrones. That's one of the big ones. You are done, they just do such a good job, book and show, of teaching you to hate the wildlings, not trust the wildlings. And then it slowly, just as John, John's the point of view to that, changes your opinion what they mean and it becomes very key it cost john uh, his life later on uh so i think egret would have been proud and i think she would have driven that i think i don't have the big answer for it but i think john might have if she survives let's just say she survives that battle she's captured i think it i i, I think she turns i think she joins the fight i think she and not that john would be you know could do it he would have to leave the watch um, and am I driving to do so and, and risk a beheading from, from, uh, house Stark down the road? Uh, I think she would have, uh, made a formidable queen for the rest of the world to battle against if she was next to John, John's uh, side, if, if that came to pass. Um, I also think there would have been a love, not that John would have run away. And not that they would have returned to the cave, but there could have been some level of that, I think. Egret, the character, still remains one of the most important on, uh, deaths on the show and important characters and, and how it changed our lead character. So if you guys have a thought about Egret uh, staying alive, let me know here on Casterly Talk. Barrett on Darien is listed next. Uh, Barrett. Uh, Jojen Reed, one of us, we wrap up our look here. Uh, thank you for sticking with me. Just having fun with this couple uh, left. Jojen Reed. Uh, different on the show in the books, but good, good, had to go, uh, brutal, harsh, but served his purpose. And sometimes when, when you're writing, these characters have to serve their purpose and, and spurn on the lead characters. And I think that was what was accomplished with Jojen Reed. Final two deaths. Here we go. Again, we're going into season four. Shay and Tywin Lannister. I think Shay is better in the show, in the books. I think even George R. R. Martin's on the record of saying that. Um, uh, so I was expecting her death. So therefore, I bought the death. I knew it was coming. The show did, they did such a good job of establishing that character. Um, such a good job of making you root for her and Tyrion. So it was particularly heartbreak. So it sets up the heartbreak. heartbreak. Um, similar ways to Lisa Stark, but... It was also tough to execute such a rapid turnaround. I think it's a little bit more believable in the books than it is the show for some. I'm there for it. I believe it. I believe you get to that point. It tracks for me her 
bitterness and Tyrion's uh, pain. And, and then, you know, they make that one key shot. She's grabbed the knife. She's going to try to kill him first. Tyrion's got to do what he's got to do. But um, it, it's still, I don't think it's a controversial death, right? I, I don't think you have those kind of big giant conversations about it. I think people got it. It just one of the, was one of those moments of, I think they did such a good job of just, you, you liked this character. Much like Roz, you just said, look, you were, they're, they're rising above the position of life they got put into. Um, not that, that they weren't good at what they did before, but they, they have that great moment when they're overlooking, uh, talking about Sansa and, and Littlefinger. So Shay's death um, works for me. It's sad to see her go. Tywin's death is one of my favorites. I love this character. I love uh, Tywin Lannister a lot. Charles Dance is clearly one of the best performers in the world, if not just the show. And Andres Cabrera and I have done that past episode about uh, Tywin and why we love him. And it's complicated. We get that. We get it. We get why it's complicated. Um, But a well-earned, well-deserved, and well-executed, no pun intended, death. Find out if Tywin Lannister shits gold. Talk about dying with a lack of dignity. In the book Feast for Crows, there is just such... Uh, a great passage. It's it's a Cersei Lannister point of view chapter of just standing next to her dying father and the smells and everyone can address it. They cannot address it, especially in front of Cersei. Even uh, the seven sisters, even even the, the silent sister, excuse me, even uh, uh, the high priest, everyone, they're just, he smells. He smells. Tywin Lannister, that is a, a death he deserved, even though I do love the character. I think there's actually a lot to learn from the character and just relish every scene he's in. He's so great. Uh, so that's the book. That's the look at the death there. I hope you uh, just thank you for sticking around. We're going to have a little quick second half of the show. But I don't know. Just wanted to pull that off my shelf and relive the deaths and what you guys think about the deaths. Let me know. Let me know. You can uh, leave a message here on the Anchor app and say your goodbyes to the characters you love. Stick around. The other side, we'll wrap the show up with a couple calls from you all here on Casterly Talk. And we're back here on Casterly Talk, the 54th episode of Casterly Talk. I don't know why numbers are important, especially in podcasting, but they are. Hey, here with you. Welcome back. Thank you for indulging me. Let me uh, go through my memory banks of characters gone by. I'm still still thinking a little bit more about Eric Monroe's What Have Egret Lived. Talk. We love these what ifs because you know we there's no right answer. There's no real answer. It would change everything. Uh, Danny and John would not hook up, you know, unless him and Egret had some sort of open relationship. Uh, you know, what happens between them and the cave? Uh, those kids can work it out themselves. But it would have just fundamentally changed a lot in the sense that I think it would have fundamentally strengthened John. He would have made some bigger, bolder choices. I think it would have left the Night's Watch. Ran away. Risked punishment. Risked dishonoring. He would have said it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. All right. A couple calls here. Speaking of Jon Snow, and this one from our friend Alden Diaz. 
Hey, Ken, Alden Diaz here with a question about a potential Game of Thrones sequel. Not that there's been any speculation in regards to that. Everything that they have thrown around seems to have been prequel material, be it the now defunct uh, Long Night Show or, you know, whatever Blood Moon it was going to be called. And then now we've got the Fire and Blood show that we know is confirmed. But, you know, seeing HBO have such success with Watchmen, which was a straight-to-screen sequel to a print property, you know, it was a direct sequel to the graphic novel. Do you think that since they have these rights that in 10 years they might call Kit Harrington and say, hey, what if there was a storyline that forced John to come back south, you know, from presumably hanging out with Tormund and living a peaceful life. Would you want to see a storyline like that? And what characters do you think would have potential to sort of, you know, return to the screen? Let me know. Thanks. I thought I was out, but they pulled me back in. I like this. I like this. The reality of this happening, even 10 years or so from now, even five years from now, I, I would say it's slim. I would say it's slim. It's, it's, I, I get the comparison to the Watchmen from Alden, but uh, I, I see it right now. It's a little bit different. However, look at Star Wars. I never, never thought they'd make another Star Wars film. But even then, if they did, at the point of 2012 when the sale happened, I would have been like, all right, Star Wars. There's no way you're getting Mark Hamill, Carrie Fisher, Harrison Ford, eventually Billy Dee Williams. There's no way you're getting a lot of these folks to come back, especially Harrison. So, anything can happen. So, Alden's question. I like this, a continuation. I like this idea of Jon Snow. Five, ten years in the world. Let's just say ten. That's what Alden suggested. So, let's say ten years in the actual story. So, about, you know, 313 or so, you know, whatever the, the links of the show, I know it goes a little longer. Go with me on this there. All right. So at 315 years after the conquest, roughly. Jon Snow, Aegon Targaryen, the ninth, whatever, you know, Aemon Targaryen, Ar- uh, you know, <laughs> doesn't matter. <laughs> whatever his name is now. Does he take on a different name? Call me John Aegon Stark. Garion, I don't know. I'll get off the point. John Stark, John Snow. Uh, he has to come back. He's pulled back in. He's pulled south. What's the story? What could it be? I say we cross the Night King off. There's nothing there. No Night King, no son of Night King, nothing related to that. I think whatever it might be, it could be something going on with Bran, something going on with Bran the Broken. Some sort of war. Maybe Essos unites. And is there a little pissed off about whatever happened before? You know, you kind of, the Night King kind of ruined a lot of things, you know? But no matter what it is, I can't think of the big thing to bring him back because it's giant, epic, and everything. It could be smaller. I think the people to bring him back would be Sansa. I think she put a call. She put a call out north of the wall. Maybe he ignores it. Maybe they can't find. Maybe it's searching for Jon Snow. First couple episodes, they can't find him. Arya has to be called back. She comes back wherever she is, west to west, east of east. Maybe she's hanging out in an apartment in uh, in a shy. Um, 
she has to come back and she has to be the one to find John. And she's the one that reaches John and finally says, you got to come back. And pulls him back down. Tormund doesn't want to go with him. But hey, Brienne's still out there, right? Maybe Tormund's like, oh, hey, unfinished business. Business has never started. Brienne would be there, I think, in my world, in my life. You have all the other houses that survived. Stand put, you'd see a little bit of the rebuilding of what it would be. I don't think it necessarily, I'm not going internal. Like, I don't think like a tiny Brand and Sansa are fighting. I don't think Brand. maybe Bran is, maybe Bran's in trouble. Maybe Bran's dying. Maybe it's something going on with him being a three-eyed raven, three-eyed crow slash king. You know, his body can't take it. Who's next on the throne? Chaos is starting to reign. Are they going to have democracy in place? Are they going to vote? Are they going to choose a king again? Are all the house uh, leaders uh, going to come together? And that's when they think maybe John will come down and take the throne. Maybe it's something like that. I don't know. I don't know. I'm pitching off the cuff here. But I like this idea. I just want to see some of those scenes. I want to see John north of the wall, some... Spear wife, some free folk um, wedding has taken place. Um, he's got a little kid, a um, couple kids. And I don't think he's going to name them like directly like Danny, Ned, and Egret, but maybe, you know, maybe there's some homages there. But they, he doesn't want to come back. Doesn't I walked away. I did my part. I did everything I needed to do. But Arya Stark says, We're still family. We still need you. And you are. Stark and Targaryen. You're all of the things. So, could be it. Maybe Drogon comes back and just starts burning everything. They need John to come with them. Uh, regardless, I just would love to see those scenes. So, yeah, I'm on board. They'll make it work a lot better than I am. There's a reason I'm a podcaster right now and uh, don't write as much anymore. So, they'll come up with the idea. But I want those scenes. I want those little moments. Maybe, maybe Tormund and Bran, uh, maybe it's a love story with them. Maybe they come uh, come to terms with who they are. I don't know. No? No, it could be? I don't know. Uh, I like that. But Arya going north. Maybe she's traveled the world and this is the last area she really needs to get to. It would be interesting just to see Arya at the wall, right? Because that's where she was supposed to go. Yorin gets her up there. A lot changes. I don't necessarily know if a lot changes for the better because she doesn't go on her journey. She doesn't learn what she needs to do. And hey, she doesn't kill the Night King. But I've always thought about that. What if she gets up there? How does that change things? We love those what ifs here. So great question. Great thought. The Jon Snow sequel. We'll see if it happens. Taymor checking in here on Casterly Talk. Hey, Ken and Casterly Talk fans. This is Taymor from New York. Longtime listener. First time caller. The last episode made me think about my fandom into Game of Thrones. I started watching a couple months before season 8 was released and I could honestly say that I didn't have any problem with what Benioff and Weiss did and how they ended it. I only wished I could have seen Queen Daenerys' reign for an episode after burning down King's Landing, but I understand what they had to do and have accepted it. I did have a slight issue with Bran becoming the king, but after a lot of thought and consideration, I realized they made the right choice as he gave the responsibilities of running the kingdom to Tyrion. My question to you all is, do you think those fans or groups of people that split from Game of Thrones can come to terms with the show by doing a rewatch as a casual viewer. I know the odds are slim to none, 
but I would like to know their reactions after distancing themselves from it. As always, it's a pleasure hearing from you, your co-host, Sir Thomas Nadal, and all the other callers. Taymor, great call, man. A lot of ways to do calls. I love that Taymor took the time to prepare his thoughts and bring up some good points there. Taymor came to Game of Thrones a little bit later. I remember his uh, hearing about his brother Abdul begging him to get into it, and uh, finally does. He loves it a little bit later. And therefore, his view of Season 8 is different than a lot of other people's. I think it's not surprising. Not, not surprising to me at all. I think one of the reasons for that is just when you go on that long journey from 2011 and here a little bit later, 2019, you know, you're trying to figure it out and you get to, get to the end and you invested this much time and it doesn't go the way you think. And Tamar mentions he has you know, a little issue with Bran initially becoming king. I think if you've been there the whole time, I think it's easier to be a little disappointed, a little brokenhearted, you know, a little more upset than coming in a little bit later. I know some people are, you know, did almost like a straight binge of Game of Thrones after it ended. And they don't have some of the the impassioned feelings about season eight. I think it's, uh, I don't know, it, it, it's not scientific by any means. I just think if you experienced it a lot faster, you didn't have to wait for a lot of these big questions to be answered. You know, John, as Jon Snow coming back, did he die? Was he was stabbed by the Night's Watch? Is he coming back? I don't know. Oh, wait, I'll find out in an hour. <laughs> Versus waiting months. So uh, I think that is an interesting observation. I think that's an interesting thing when you come, when you come into the show now from this point on. Uh, as far as people uh, re-watching season eight, yeah, I think I think there's going to be a percentage of of people. I won't say large. I won't say big. I won't say what it is. I just think there will be percentages of uh, fans uh, across the fandom who will revisit season eight a little bit later on, revisit season eight after watching the rest of the show, and they'll have some of their anger tempered. And whether or not their opinions will be changed greatly, I, I, I don't know. It's it's possible. Um, Star Wars prequels to go back across to Star Wars. I love the prequels. I'm a prequelist. That's what we call ourselves over in the Force Center podcast feed. But I didn't start out, out that way. I was right there with a lot of people. I liked them a little bit more than I admitted. And that was a little bit of a base to build from for me. But, you know, there's a lot of problems, a lot of things I didn't agree with, a lot of questions I had. And, and I think it's still, I say this a lot and you hear me say it a lot, but I think it's okay to question these things and land, find out where you land with all of it a little bit later on. I think that's okay. It's very much an okay thing. And I think some people will come to terms with some of their issues of season eight or or some of the things won't bother them as much, which is sometimes just as important. You still not might like, not might like it, might not like it is the phrase I want to say, <laughs> but uh, um, you'll be okay with it. You'll, you'll not burn with an anger. It'll just be like, eh. I see, I see people already with uh, repeat viewings of Star Wars movies they don't like or uh, endings of shows, other shows. It just it, it, There's a lot of pressure on it the first time you're watching it. First time you're watching especially if you've been on the long journey, especially if you've been a book reader. And even though you can say, hey, we don't know, this probably isn't what the book's going to be, you know, it's still, you're finding out the end. I just think that lends itself a, to, to easier um, disappointment and letdown. So we'll hope. Well, hope I think some people are just 
not going to like it. Some people aren't going to give it that chance to watch it again, to be fair, to be blunt. That's too bad. Uh, we'll see, though. We'll see. It'll it'll be a while. It's not going to be next month, not, not, not next year. A couple years from now, you'll start seeing those articles. I guarantee you'll start seeing those articles on some websites. Revisiting Season 8. Was it as bad as we thought? Oh, it turns out no. Yeah, you'll start seeing that. I think, or it'll just remain hated till now to the end of time. Tamor, thanks so much for your call. Please call some more. Get your brother Abdul to call in as well. Eric Monroe, thanks for your call about Egret Alden Diaz. I love the regular contributors here on Casterly Talk. Your voices, your calls power this show just as much as my ramblings. I'll come back next week. I think well, I'm going to say it's scheduled to put a little pressure on him to make it happen. Sir Thomas Atal is going to be calling in the great white north himself. We'll be talking Game of Thrones and some other surprises and fun things as we just kind of all gather and huddle around and try to get ourselves through this season of the shivers here in our world. We'll see you next week on Casually Talk. <laughs>